So kind of a funny story as it begins. So last night we set our clocks back an hour so we all got an extra hour of sleep. Of course, I set mine ahead an hour. So <laughs> I was coming over here at what I thought was 7.30 and it was 5.30. So I was like, I'm way off. Whatever. Anyway, my cats were so groggy this morning. I was wondering, what's going on with these little guys? Anyway. All right. So this gospel here. It's not the amount that the poor widow gives, but the intention. What she gives is all she had, as Jesus says. So it's in her case, it's not even that she's giving 10%. She's giving 100%. She's giving the last of her money. She's giving all that she has. And contrasting that with the Pharisees and the scribes who are faithfully giving 10%, that's what God told them to give, and that's what they're giving. It's just that they also do wicked things like devour the property of widows. They had a formula for doing that. If the husband died, they could declare Rockwa or whatever it was and somehow be able to seize the property. And Jesus is calling them out saying, you will receive a very severe condemnation for that. But the Pharisees are giving 10% because that's what God said to give. It's just that the, the widow is giving everything. There's another widow, too. It's in our first reading. This is Elijah. So in the Old Testament, there are two characters who are so holy they don't die, Elijah and Enoch. They're both taken up to heaven without dying. The book of Revelation, you hear about two witnesses that come down from heaven to testify against the Antichrist. And they're both killed in the streets of Jerusalem, and then they will rise again from the dead and witness again against the Antichrist, which will lead to his destruction. Those two are, have always thought to be Elijah and Enoch because if Jesus, God, would suffer death, the Blessed Virgin Mary would suffer death, how is it that Elijah and Enoch would not? And so we believe that they will come again in the age of the Antichrist, be struck dead, rise from the dead, and to go back up into heaven. I'm sharing all of that with you just to say how holy Elijah was. If you read the Old Testament and you come to the parts of Elijah, he's something else. I mean, he's like an angel or something. He seems beyond human, certainly in his powers. So here's Elijah coming to this poor widow who's about to kill herself and her child because they've run out of food. Why have they run out of food? Because there has been a famine in the land. Why has there been a famine in the land? Because the Jewish people have been unfaithful to God. For many, many, many years, they've been unfaithful to God. So God finally gives them what they deserve, a drought that lasts for seven years. Seven years, and all of the vegetation dries up, and the food disappears, and people begin to starve. And this is what's happening to this widow. She's one little cup of flour and one little cup of oil away from starvation. And what does she do? She trusts in the Lord's anointed. Elijah is the anointed one of God. If she will serve him, and all she has to do is to take the little bit of flour, a little bit of oil, and put it together, and put it on the stove, and bake a little cake for him. If she will do that, then God will make sure the jar of flour and the jar of oil never go dry. She has to serve God, and if she does, she'll be blessed with life, and so will her son. 
What do we get from these two stories of these two widows? There's two things that we get. One is there's blessings for God. There's blessings from God for those who will serve him. The poor widow putting the last of her money into the treasury. I'm done. She's given away all she's got. She's so desperate. She's at the end of her rope. I'm done. She'll serve God by giving the money to the church. And then this one, there's no church, but there is Elijah, God's anointed. And she'll serve God by serving the anointed one of God. And there's blessings for both of them. But there's a second part. And there's curses from God for those who don't. There's the drought in the land because of the infidelity of the Jews at the time of Elijah. And so because they aren't giving God what is due to God, God takes away what he gave them in the first place, which was their livelihood and their ability to feed themselves. In the story of the poor widow and her mites, remember these words of Jesus, they will receive a very severe condemnation. Who are they? The scribes and the Pharisees, the priests. Why aren't they doing their job? It's just like a job for them, and they're, they're engorging themselves. And they, they, like, they like wearing long robes and, and, and whatever. In another gospel, we hear the story of the widow's might. And a Pharisee, a prominent Pharisee, comes in, and his servants literally blow horns. So everyone will stop and look as he puts money in the treasury basket. And he goes, humping along, back along. And Jesus says, he's received his reward. He got the praise of men. He'll get no praise from God for that. So there's a blessing and a curse. And it's really important for us to remember that because we always just associate God with blessings. God just gives blessings. Yes, he does. And he gives life and he takes it too. And at the end of this life, he judges them. Really important for us to know that. There's both a carrot and a stick. And that's just the way human beings operate. How many people would do their taxes if there wasn't a penalty for not doing it? Almost nobody. But because there is a penalty, we'd pay our taxes, kind of thing. All right. A story here. It's not easy to get to the point in which, like the poor widow giving away all she has, can give it all away. That's very hard to get to that place in her life. Contrast that with the wealthy young man who says to Jesus, Hey, what do I need to do to be your disciple, to be your follower? And Jesus says, Obey the commandments. He goes, I've done it. Jesus goes, Great. Now, if you want to be one of the twelve, one of these guys who follows me from village to village, I need you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then come and follow me. And remember the wealthy young man. He couldn't do it. Said he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He couldn't let go. He couldn't let go. And the apostles are going to have to let go of their wives and children, too, and die in foreign lands at the hands of other people. They're going to all eventually give it away. But not yet. They still have a long way to go to get to that place. And we do too. We're still learning to trust God enough to give him everything. To give him our whole life and everything. To give him our spouse. To give him our children. To give him our health. To give him our finances. To give him everything. It's a lifelong journey to have that kind of faith. And when we get there, those people are called saints. And we're working on it. In the case of the poor widow, in the case of both of these poor widows, 
They've got nothing left. Why not give it to God with what little they've got left? The one has got two cents and the other's got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. God says, hey, give me that. And they're like, okay. I mean, I'm not, there's nothing left anyway. Why not? But imagine if we could do it before we had nothing left. What if we were like the wealthy young man and we said to Jesus, I'm going to cry a little bit, Lord, but I will sell everything I have and give it to the poor and then I will come and serve you. There would have been 13 apostles and we would have known his name. Think of this little story. The, the famous image of somebody being on a raft in the middle of the, the ocean. You know, it's just you and a raft in the middle of the ocean. And you have a gigantic jug of fresh water. All the water you can drink. So you're not going to die of dehydration. Maybe sunburn, but not dehydration. But you will die of starvation because you don't have enough food. But now add to this, you have a great big jar of little tiny worms. Little disgusting little tiny gooey worms. And a hook and a line. And you're thinking, oh, I'm just going to fish, right? So you put a little worm on the end of this little tiny hook and throw it in. All you can catch is sardines. And you can only catch, on average, one a day. And a sardine is 200 calories. And you need 2,000 to live. And you know, it's just a matter of time before you're going to either be rescued or starve to death. And the days go by, and the days go by, and now you've lost all that, that weight that you wanted to lose, and you're like, well, thank you, God, that weight's finally gone. But now you're getting to the muscle and the other stuff that you really do need. And you're thinking, what if I took the little sardine, my one little sardine a day, and put it on the hook, and threw it back in? Then today I might not eat. I might not get the 200 calories. But I might catch something much bigger. And if I do, then I can have 2,000 calories worth of tuna or whatever it is I pull up from the ocean. But there might be days that go by where I get nothing. But then when it happens, I get this great big fish that I can eat for days. 2,000 calories a day for days on end. I can live like this for a long time. Well, the reality is that compared to eternity... All of us are down to our final two cents. Compared to eternity, all of us are at the end of our life already. I mean, after we've been in heaven for millions and millions and millions and trillions and zillions and zillions of years, we'll forgot that we ever lived on earth, and every year on earth was like nothing, nothing, nothing. It didn't even it was like less than nothing. We're already there. We're already there at the end. And if we're at the end, do we trust God now enough to give him everything? Because we're at the end anyway. We're at the end anyway. I think from that perspective, it does give us the courage, and it takes courage, and the trust to give Jesus our life, or to give him more of it, and to certainly keep processing on that road to that place where the apostles finally get to the apostles who, when Jesus are arrested, are afraid for their own lives and run from him. But by the end of their lives, one by one, they'll lay down their life for him. But it takes time. It takes a journey. It takes effort. It takes God's grace. But if we keep trying and keep trying, hopefully we'll get to that place 
where we can give God everything we got, give Him everything we got. And what will come for those who give everything they've got? Jesus says, the eye cannot see or the ear hear or the mind so much as imagine what I will give you in return if you give me everything. Not even the most fantastic science fiction movie can even begin to portray what God will return to us if we give him everything. And so now it's just a question of trust. Do I trust Jesus? Will he lie to me? Will he let me down? Or is he honest? Is he trustworthy? And the answer is he is. He truly is.